Side, 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 side. One, two, I want to, I want to, I want to, hello, everybody, it's me, at Lava, it ain't no other, it is my podcast, all up in your butt, what, 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 what's up, y'all, welcome to Come On, Son, the podcast, my name is Ed Lover. Um, this podcast is overseen by Combat Jack and sponsored by CigarsInternational.com. Dot com, dot com, dot com, dot com. It wasn't a lot of stuff that caught my eye this week. Not a lot of stuff out there. So, that being said, this won't be a long, drawn-out podcast because sometimes I don't like to reiterate the same things over and over and over and over about the same people. Like, you know, you can sit here and go through what happened in hip hop, which really wasn't that much this past week. We can sit here and talk about Kanye West till the head falls off. We can sit here and talk about back in the day things and people and places and stuff like that. And at times I will do that. And at times I will have guests like, um, I was at the social deaf 25th anniversary concert, which was really, really good. Um, big shout out to DJ Nabs, who I met on the road with Criss Cross back in the early 90s, who's absolutely a fantastic DJ out of Atlanta, um, and he killed it. So big shout out to DJ Nabs. Um, and you just forget that Jermaine Dupree had so many hits, and I got so much respect for Jermaine as a songwriter and as a producer in the veins of what actual production is supposed to be and not just uh, sampling or, you know, just, you know, everybody has a talent in their own sort of way, but Jermaine talent supersedes a lot of other people's talents as producer and songwriters. He, he, he's produced or, or written song-wise some of the most long-lasting songs in music history, and he is a true, true gentleman. And also, Jermaine is a pioneer, and um, he deserves all the accolades that one can speak about him. I mean, from Mariah Carey to Usher to Stuff of Monica to, you know, Franchise Boys and Bow Wow and, and Jagged Edge and Escape and, you know, Silk Times Leather. I mean, Jermaine Dupree, you know, as a songwriter and producer is absolutely one of the best men. And um, I'll be so glad the day that I sit back and watch Jermaine Dupree going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for all that he's done for music. He's won, like, damn near every kind of award that you can imagine winning. And he's been through it, you know, publicly, relationship with Janet Jackson and and and, and other things, you know, having to declare bankruptcy at one time publicly. I mean, the dude been through it. He gave us the brat. Um, you know, I had a hand in that, um, as well as Ms. Uh, Dawn Millhouse out of Chicago. But Jermaine, man, is just a renaissance man. He's been there. He's a pioneer. He's a trailblazer. Everything great you can say about somebody, it deserves to be said about Jermaine. And because Jermaine is still around and still active and still moving around Atlanta, I think a lot of people forget that 25 years ago he started a label called So So Deaf. So I went to that show and it was dope. And I ran into Murphy Lee. I used to be with, you know, part of the St. Lunatics with um, 
Nelly, and he's going to come through and do the podcast. And I ran into the one and only Pastor Troy, one of my favorite people in uh, in Atlanta and in Atlanta hip-hop history. And there's always a kind word, and Pastor Troy is always up to something, man. He's so smart and, and you know, putting out his own movies and doing stuff like that. So big up to Pastor Troy. And Pastor Troy was also on the ground of 2000. Um, 19, 2018, 2019, um, make Atlanta, I don't want to say make Atlanta great, but let Atlanta be the music for the Super Bowl. And it's, it wasn't chosen. And there's nothing against who uh, the NFL chose, but Atlanta is a big music city. And I always felt like if you're doing the Super Bowl in a big music city, in a pioneering music city, that those artists you know, should perform. And I, you know, it's a part of me that says, okay, NFL, I know you want the music to be for everybody. So you're not going to go with, you know, you know, you're not going to go with the young bloods or, or you're not going to go with the franchise boys, but Atlanta has given you a lot of music and a lot of great people that everybody knows all across the board. So, you know, you could have did outcast, you know, you could have had CeeLo Green, you could have had Usher, you know, and, and and a lot of other artists that, that live here and record here from Tony Braxton to, you know, you could have did an All-Atlanta, but you didn't. And it's just another, you know, slap in the face. So me and Pastor Troy are going to sit down and do a, a podcast. And we're going to talk about his feelings about the, the Super Bowl being here and the NFL not recognizing any of the great Atlanta artists uh, that made waves, like huge waves in the music business. You're also going to add Ludacris to that list. You know, these are not faces people don't know. Like, these are people that sold millions and millions and millions of records. But they kind of did the same thing when they when they came to New York. You know, I wanted to see an all-New York um, Super Bowl halftime show, and I didn't get it. And I can't even tell you who performed the Super Bowl halftime there, but... I'm quite sure some things are in the works and people are putting some things together for a big show here during Super Bowl weekend with all these great Atlanta artists. And I hope it really comes to fruition, man, because they deserve it, man. When when there was really no music coming from Atlanta, Atlanta with the help of L.A. and Babyface and TLC, you know what I'm saying? That's a big group. TLC is not a small group. TLC is a big group, and Chili and T-Boz still go out and perform. You know, that's all crossover stuff. Anytime we saw We Are The, uh, what is the name? We Are The Millers, and you had the boy in there doing the, the rap part of, of Waterfall. I seen a rainbow yesterday, but too many storms. Like, TLC sold records. They cross over. So you want to keep it friendly for everybody, right? For everybody. But Justin Timberlake can perform. But all of these great artists out of Atlanta, Usher had a 10 million selling album, a diamond album. You know, so did Outkast. Outkast won a Grammy for album of the year and record of the year. So me and Pastor Troy sit down and, and we'll chop it up. All the great, all the great, great, great gospel artists that come from Atlanta or live in Atlanta or from this, from that, from this region. I mean, Georgia, period. I mean, they should be able to perform, man. You know, they should be able to perform the Super Bowl halftime show. That would have been pretty freaking amazing. You know, your legacy is supposed to live on when you do something 
um, great musically. And today, that's what I really wanted to talk about, legacy. And I just kind of segued off of what I was talking about with the Super Bowl and the NFL and all that, to legacy. Your legacy is important. Um, when the lights dim a little bit on you, you hope that you have laid a foundation for a legacy that will last forever. Um, I can honestly say that I have. Um, I still get a lot of people that recognize me from your own TV raps. I get a lot of people that tell me their first introduction to hip hop was through Young TV Raps and through MTV. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of that for more than one reason. I'm proud of that because I was a part of something that was golden and was special. And I'm proud of it because Dre, myself, Fab, Ted Demi, Peter Darty, for a long time programmed the show. We picked what videos that we wanted people to see, what direction we wanted the show to go in. That's what we did. And I'm very, very, very proud of that, that we actually was programmers and programmed you on TV Raps the right way. And, um, you know, for a long time until, of course, MTV came in and put their hands in it and took, took that opportunity away from us. But for a while, we were the ones that were programming you on TV Raps. And I'm very proud of that, man. And, um, you know, that's my legacy. It's something that I can't shake. If somebody's going to ask me every day, about Dr. Dre. That's I've done a lot in my life since then, but people mostly remember me from your on TV rides. Every now, every now and then, I'll get somebody a little younger that knows me from Come On Son or, or somebody that said, I saw you on Ricky Smiley and stuff. But the main crust of everything is legacy. And your legacy deserves to be protected and respected. Protected by you. Now that you don't do anything dumb you know, to, to hurt your legacy and respected by others. You know, Russell Simmons has recently come under some heat. Russell left a hell of a legacy. Bill Cosby the same way, a hell of a legacy. I mean, I just read the other day they trying to figure out how to kill off Kevin Spacey's character from House of Cards. You know, there's been some notorious people, quote, unquote, that have left the legacy, you know, R. Kelly's musical legacy is crazy, but on the other side of that, you can taint it by too much controversy, especially when it comes with women and sex and sexual misconduct and stuff like that. You can, you really taint your legacy. A lot of people talk Kanye West. They think Kanye's tainting his leg his musical legacy by the way he's acting. You know, the hugging of the president. And I love this guy, and you know, you made me feel like Superman and all of that stuff when. There's so many people out here that don't agree with the policies of the president of the United States. Now, there's a lot of people that do agree with the policies of the president of the United States. So that's it, it, it kind of evens itself out, if you know what I mean. But you hear a lot of black people, especially talking about Kanye is killing his legacy with his promotion of Trumpism, you know. Back in the days, we had Reaganism. Now we got Trumpism and you got Obamaism and every other ism, Carterism and, you know, Clintonisms and all of that. So a lot of black people just feel like that, you know. Um, but legacy is, is really, really important. And if you're lucky enough, you will get that time in your life 
where you affect so many people in such a major way that um, your legacy will live on. And I saw a lot of people um, the other night at the concert. I happened to be standing there. I looked over and Chris Tucker was there. Now, Chris Tucker is mostly known not for his stand-up. He's a really, really excellent stand-up comedian. But Chris Tucker is more known for his acting than his stand-up. From Smokey, from Friday, and from Rush Hour. Mainly. Now, there's always going to be some people that, you know, remember the movie he did with Charlie Sheen and, and stuff like of stuff like that. You know, I really loved Chris. And, um, damn, what's the name? Uh, Dead Presidents. Yeah, I thought Chris was excellent in Dead Presidents. And other stuff that Chris has done, but mostly people remember him as Smokey. And people remember him from Rush Hour. Right, and they're supposed to be doing a rush hour, another rush hour. Matter of fact, him and Jackie Chan, but that's what people remember Chris from, and that's part of Chris's legacy. You know what people are gonna remember you the most for is part of your legacy. You know it is, and and it's to be protected and, and respected by all. And I respect Chris. I walked up, say, hey, he was, hey, hey, legend is in the building. I'm like Chris, you the legend, man. And we just laughed, and it's always a pleasure to be around people like that. And, and he should be respected for what he's done. He, what he was able to accomplish from being a stand-up comedian, he should be widely respected. You know, what, what Kevin Hart has been able to do, he should be widely, widely respected, man. And there's going to be people out there that's going to try to shoot your legacy down. Let me give you a classic example. Some university out there put something out on social media about them trying to do a concert with Ashanti and they had to cancel it because it only sold 24 tickets. Now, what that same university did not tell you is that they had Tiana Taylor and Tiana Taylor backed out. They had somebody else and somebody else backed out and then they booked Ashanti at the last minute and she kindly accepted the invitation. So now that the show didn't sell, when you didn't know who you was going to have, now you want to blame it on the artist. That is not Ashanti's fault. If you did not properly promote in an ample amount of time, how is it the artist's fault? Because you, what you're doing is assuming, first of all, that Everybody had the money to buy a ticket. That's what you're assuming, number one. And then number two, what you are assuming is because it only sold 24 tickets in that short period of time that nobody wanted to see Ashanti. No, it takes a long time to properly promote a show, especially when everybody thinks one person is coming and they want to spend their money to see one thing. Now, have this ever happened to anybody that's listening to this podcast right now? Have you ever really wanted to see one person and then that person gets replaced by somebody else? That takes all the wind out of you even wanting to go to the show. That's like buying a Drake ticket and then all of a sudden you hear Drake is coming and then at the last minute, like a, a week before the show, they tell you that Drake is being replaced by YFN Lucci. 
I, I like YFN Lucci, but I really was going to see Drake. So you can't blame Ashanti for your concert not selling out when you ain't do proper promotion. And I hate that. I hate it. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, we have contracts as artists and as DJs and as hosts. We have contracts. This is the reason we have contracts, because regardless of whatever happened, Ashanti made herself available. She blocked the date out. Now, if you couldn't get people to come in there and and come see her, that doesn't mean that she shouldn't get paid. You got to pay her. It's the same way with me. I can't stand where promoters go, oh, man. Oh, I guess ain't nobody want to come see you. No, bro. You act like you plastered it all over the world. You act like there was television commercials for weeks and weeks and months out. Everybody don't have disposable income like that. You can't properly promote something in a week and then try to look at the artist like, they whack. Oh, only 24 people bought tickets to see Ed Lover. Yeah, what do you do it in two days? People that really, really do concert promoting and stuff like that, they are very particular about when, where, and how. We did the UM TV Raps 30-year anniversary. When we put them tickets on sale, those tickets were very slow sellers. Slow. And my manager at the time who was putting it together with other people was so worried about it. Oh, we got to do this. Oh, we got to do that. Oh, we got to hand out flyers. Oh, we got to da, 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 da. We got to do more of this. You guys got to do more social media. Blah, 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 blah. Tickets just steady but slow. I said, man, that thing going to sell out. No, it ain't. Da, 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 da. I said, look at when the concert is. Look at when people get their paychecks. And I bet you we have more walk-ups than anything. Because walk-ups is always a, a big part of everything, okay, or, on your concert promotion. Walk-ups, people, same-day ticket buyers, all of that stuff. And it sold out because we had a lot of people buy their tickets real real close to the show because of when they was getting paid at the end of the month. And they was waiting for them to get that check so they could pay whatever they got to pay. And then take the rest of the money and then go buy themselves a ticket. So you can't really, you got to promote. Even I think the um, laws of, not law, like a law where you get arrested if you break the law, but like a law of what somebody teach you, you know, the law of physics, the law of marketing. One of the laws of marketing is somebody has to see something at least, I think it's at least eight times before it sticks into their head. This is not like a football team or a basketball team or going to see the Hawks here in Atlanta or the New York Knicks or wherever you live and you listen to this podcast, your team, whether it's the Bears, the Cubs, it, it really doesn't make a difference because that's something that you follow and you've been following for years and years and years and years. Listen, I'm a New York fan through and through for all my New York teams. I remember going to the parade when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Never been to a Rangers game in my life. That mean the Rangers is whack because Ed Lover don't go? I've never been to a hockey game in my entire life. Their legacy lives on. It's just about pride for me in my city. Pride for me. I love when the Yankees do well. I love when the Mets do well. It's just pride for me in New York City, period. So I follow all the New York teams. Hey, go ahead and laugh at me. The Giants at this recording is 1-5, and, and we play the Falcons tonight. 
Go laugh at me. Yeah, ha, key, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Yankees got knocked out by the Boston Red Sox, and the Boston Red Sox are going to the World Series. Good for Boston. That, that's when me and Michael Bivens started talking. He got all the Boston pride in the world. It's like being a fan of college football, whether it's FSU or whether it's, you know, Michigan State or Michigan or Alabama Crimson Tide. It's my favorite college team. I ain't from Alabama. I just love the team. But for people, I guess it's Alabamians, for them, that's pride in their state. You know, that's that means a lot to them. That's the legacy of that. That's different than just a random concert. There's not there's way more people that love the Alabama Crimson Tide than way more people that's going than people that are going to go to every single show Ashanti does. She's had hits. A lot of hits. Not just as a singer but also as a songwriter. She has a lot of hits. She has a legacy. That's why the light doesn't shine on Ashanti like it shines on Ella May or as it shines on the, you know, the head of the queen of the pack right now is Beyonce. There was a time when the queen of the pack was different people, you know, different people. Mary J. Blige, Faith Evans, Missy Elliott, they all left legacies. Whitney Houston, Diana Ross, Tina Turner, Tina Marie. Legacy is everything. That's why you can still go and see Anita Baker. She just did her final tour. Because her legacy of music is so amazing that people was like, what? Anita Baker doing her final tour, and they went out to see Anita Baker. That's the kind of legacy for some people Ashanti means to them. You can't try and disrespect Ashanti like that because Ashanti and Ja Rule go out together and they still sell out. And Ashanti can go overseas and sell out. Easy. You know, you sometimes you sit back and you wonder, as a fan of somebody, oh, what's this person doing? What's that person doing? How they eating? How they... And they had all this great music that you used to love. They performing. They out performing. Because of what they left behind for people. People still love that music. People still love that era. People still love it. Frankie Beverly and Maisie ain't had a hit record in how long? How long they haven't put out any new music? And they still perform like crazy? New Year's Eve in Atlanta, Charlie Wilson is coming. Charlie Wilson was in the Gap Band. What an incredible, incredible, incredible musical journey Charlie Wilson has been on. He's in the Gap Band. I think that was the 80s. And he still put out new music. And it still gets radio play. And he still goes out and he tours. You ever see Charlie Wilson live? Do yourself a favor. Charlie Wilson was in the Gap Band player partners. You know what I mean? The Gap Band, B. Early in the morning, you dropped the bomb on me. Outstanding, which was sampled by so many hip-hop artists. Charlie Wilson was one of the creators of that sound. That is, that's really, really, really saying something. You, you, there's a lot of things that you can say, right, that, that you look at people and you go, man, you know, their legacy spins off into something else or 
it other people emulate what they've done and start doing things something like that like there's this show on um oh man what is it i think it's showtime it's a jim carrey new show it's called kidding and he's like a child uh television personality that children know and love by the name of mr pickles and he goes through something tragic and then it changes his way and out and outlook on life and stuff like that but the mr pickles character is like a takeoff of mr rogers like think about the the legacy that mr rogers left think about the legacy that matt Groening left by creating the creator of the simpsons man you know how long the simpsons have been on television you still watch it. Like, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's amazing. I, I watch TV, and I turn on, and I'm so proud to see LL Cool J doing his thing on CBS. I'm so proud of LL Cool J. And I want everybody to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website, and there's a fan vote section. Let's vote for LL Cool J to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I felt personally, and this is no... This is not me throwing shade on anybody or anybody's legacy. And Tupac had a hell of a legacy. Believe that. But I felt LL Cool J should have been the first male solo rap artist in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because LL Cool J was the very first uh, solo male superstar that we had in hip-hop. So I, I urge you all to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website. Look at Fan Vote and click for LL Cool J. And just click every single day, man. I've been doing it um, since I've known his name is back on. I've been clicking, 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 clicking as many times as I could click to get LL inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, man. There was nobody else that had it like LL had it. There was a lot of people that came after LL that got it. But it was the blueprint of what LL put out. LL was a complete package as a rapper. He really is. First and foremost, he could rap his ass off. Second of all, he'll give you a real good turn in a battle. And he's been in a lot of battles. Third of all, he had a voice like nobody else. Fourth, his writing ability was incredible. Fifth, women wanted to be with him. That's very important. Sixth, dudes wanted to be like LL. Trailblazer, trendsetter. We was doing Adidas and stuff like that. What was LL doing? Troop suits, yo. Troop suits. Kangos. Remember before um, um, Flavor In Your Ear remix, you had never seen LL's head. Never. He kept a hat on. Kept a hat on. Matter of fact, I remember somebody telling me a story about when they went, they was on some Def Jam. I think there's a lot of people from Def Jam there. LL went in the beach, in the water, with his hat on. His hat on. So he went under the water, the hat came off. He reached his hand up there, grabbed his hat, pulled it under the water, put it back on before he came up. That mystique of LL's Kango was for real. He was doing that way before any other male solo rap artist. Any other soul, I think a lot of women found Rakim attractive, but I don't think they lusted over Rakim the way they lusted over LL Cool J. They lusted over Big Daddy Kane the way they lusted over LL Cool J. Kane is another one who was a complete package as a hip-hop artist. For, during his time, 
during his time. Crazy. But the funny thing about it and the difference, of, uh, I think the only difference between them two is L.A. was able to really get a successful um, acting career going. So L.L. is really not looked upon as being old school, even though he started before all of them dudes. Like L.L.? Dude, L.L. was, what, 15, 16 when he started? 15, 16? You know, to me, the modern day L.L. is Drake, and I've said this before, you know, but the most important dude that's living a, left a legacy for this new generation, millennials of hip-hop, is Lil Wayne. Because if you look, all the majority of artists out there got that Lil Wayne look. They all want to be like Lil Wayne. They all want the dreads. They all want the tats. They want everything that Lil Wayne does. Like, Lil Wayne is the, is like the, the god of all of this stuff that these modern-day rappers do, the majority of them, is, is, you know, give or take a few. But even with Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne gave us Drake and Nicki Minaj. So Lil Wayne done put his stamp on hip-hop, for sure. Weezy F Baby that did his thing, for sure. With the skateboarding, with all of that stuff, man. He left a legacy, an LL. Left a heck, heck of a legacy, Ashanti. Legacy, Ja Rule, Legacy. I know him and Fifth had their problems. Fifty, Legacy. Mary J. Blige, another one. It's just too many. Missy Elliott, Timberland. It's too many people to name. And you see those people. You see some people come, and you see some people go. You know, you see some people have a good couple of verses here, there, and whatever. And sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, even. You know, they could be good on somebody else's record, just the audience doesn't take to them as a solo artist. Sometimes that happens. But there are people that have stood out in the music business for such a long time. Uh, Ludacris is another one. He comes to mind because he's made a great career for himself as an actor. His musical legacy is crazy. People are always going to go see Ludacris perform. People are going to go see Nas perform. People are going to go see Jay-Z perform. You know, these dudes is almost in their 40s or are in their 40s. And they've been doing this since they was 19, 20 years old. And still, people will come out and see you. The venues ain't going to be the same size. You know what I mean? I remember you would see Mary J. Blige at the Garden, you know, State Farm Arena, an arena or something like that. You know, not stadiums, but arenas. You know? And now you can go see Mary at a, you know, Ravinia Amphitheater or or theater. 6,000, 7,000 seats, stuff like that. Come on, yo. Belle Biv DeVoe, how long have they been doing it? New edition. That's a legacy. That's a legacy with a tree. The tree on that legacy... Is crazy from the originals from Ralph, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, Mike. Right? Oh my God. And then add Johnny Gill to that equation. And then what Bobby was able to do as a solo artist, what Johnny was able to do as a solo artist and a part of LSG, what Ralph was able to do as a solo artist, and what them three brothers known as Bell Biv DeVoe was able to do as solo artists and still. 
going out as Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike. That's crazy. To create another group within the group of another group, that's crazy. And then Ralph and Bobby and Johnny went out as the Three Kings at one point. Yo, it's crazy. That's a legacy. That's a legacy. So somebody books them at the last minute, and they don't get a sold-out arena, or they only sell 24, 25 tickets. We all want to look at them as like they're a failure. Like, I don't like that. I don't like that somebody tried to put Ashanti out there like Ashanti's at fault for their inability to promote a show that she only signed on to do at the last minute. I don't like that at all. I don't think it's right. I, I just think it's I just think it's seriously disrespectful, man. You gotta be really lucky for people to recognize you thirty years after you've done something. Super lucky. I feel like I feel like I'm the champ. I really do. I really feel like I'm, I'm I feel like a champion. Like a great champion. Not not a guy who had a championship shot at one time, and he was the champion for like four, three or four years, and then you never hear of him again. I feel like a champion champion because I know that what I was able to accomplish with Dr. Dre will live on. It's like Mike Tyson. Like, you know, you stand next to Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson say, damn, Ed, that's crazy. You know, one time we were in Tao. Mike said, Ed, that's crazy, man. I ain't been a champ for so long, and people still walk up to me and say, hey, champ, people still love you and know you from your own TV raps. It's been a hell of a life, right? And all I can say to Mike is, yeah. When somebody grabbed me and said, man, you Ed Lover, and they tell me a memory. I remember seeing you, man. We was this place and that place. I know you don't remember, man, but we drank so much Patron that night, and we had such a good time, and bring up people that you haven't seen, and you just laughing. You touch somebody in a certain way, man. That means something. You know, I learned how to to to, to speak English watching you on TV Rap. So my first taste of me running home from school to make sure I was at home at 4 o'clock so I could watch you on TV Rap. That means something to me. And musically, that's why people fan out because that music makes their, make their heart feel a certain way. It makes their soul. Sometimes music touches people's soul. I know a lot of grand, grown-ass women that would tell you when Mary dropped that My Life album, mm, touched them. Sometimes you touch people you don't even know you're touching because they're going through something that's the same way you're rapping about it. You know, unfortunately, the kid XXX Tentacion didn't live to finish his legacy. But you know how many kids could identify with a lot of stuff that he was saying in his music? Because it's heartfelt and it was real. You know, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. So be careful, man. Be careful, very careful when you're out there and you're trying to, you know, hurt somebody's legacy. I don't I don't like that at all. I don't think Ashanti deserved that. And I don't think Ashanti, Ashanti deserved for that to, to go around the way it did. And when I saw it, it just it just it made my heart hurt, man, because that's a nice young lady, man. Her mom and her worked really, really, really hard to establish themselves as artists when there was a lot of female artists out there that people could have paid attention to. And she did her thing, man. And she, you know, she deserves it, man. 
She really, really deserves it. She deserves that respect. The same, I seen somebody trying to go in on Brandy the other day. I was like, man, respect Brandy. Respect that young lady. Respect Miss Norwood, boy. Are you kidding me? Brandy was that. And I just saw Monica last night. And I was talking to Monica how beautiful she is and mature. I know Monica since she was 16 years old. She's a mom. She's a wife. Still a hell of a singer. Still got up on that stage with Jermaine. And and killed it. No track, no. I mean, you know, no track behind her vocals with her singing along with herself. Just her doing her thing. Monica's left a crazy legacy, a musical legacy. It's ridiculous. She's so dope, and Brandy is so dope, and Ashanti is so dope that they deserve your respect because they made it. And they survived, and their music means something. And it's touched somebody. It's it's done what it was supposed to do. There's going to be people that's going to come out, and they're going to be bigger than you. And they're going to make more money than you. You know what I mean? And they're going to be pretty much doing the same thing that you did. But it's their time, and that's fine. As long as you remember what you did, who you are, and you keep pushing. I'm still working. I'm on the radio in Chicago, 104.3 Jams every morning. I'm still working. I'm still earning a great living. I'm still earning more than the average American. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it. That's a hell of a, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a ride, man. Yeah. That's that's a hell of a ride, and I'm honored, and I'm and I'm I'm really blessed, you know, and I'm cool with where I am in life right now. I really am. I'm really cool with it, you know. Just people still recognize me. They could they could not, you know what I mean? They could not. I could walk through and people. I don't hear nothing. I don't hear no. That's Ed Lover. I don't I don't, I don't hear that. That could stop. That could stop in, in a heartbeat. I was at the concert the other night, and I was oh, sad, loving it. And then the young lady, when I went to get drinks with my wife, the young lady asked me, um, oh, damn, you look familiar. Oh, man. See, she's behind the counter working. I know. I said, I know your face from somewhere. I said, uh, my name is Ed Lover. Yeah, oh, man, I knew, the, oh, man, I knew I loved you and I loved your work, but I just couldn't remember your name. And that's fine. That's fine. It's okay. Lance Gross was there last night. You know, my daughter's a big fan. Uh, my daughter, oh, that's Lance Gross. I was like, that's my man. You want to meet him? It's cool for me to be able to walk up to somebody that I've had interactions with whether it's been on the radio or any other kind, of, and they just show so much love. And Chris Tucker's the same way. Introduced my daughter to Ludacris, and, you know, my daughter's funny because she's a little, she gets the height from us, and she's like, I didn't know he was that short. You know what I mean? It's cool, man. You look back on it and talking to Killer Mike and Bow Wow. I know him since he was a kid, and my sister's brother's, DJ Just, he's Bow Wow's DJ, touring, they get ready to go to Germany, and they touring. It's been a long time, seeing Omarion, and Omarion telling me, uh, 
I think he said in 2020 is almost, is either 20 or 25 years for him. That's a long ass time. That is a long time, man. Respect people's legacies, folks. You know, because they had to work hard and they had to put up with a lot of crap to get them to the place they are right now. I ain't going to, I told you this ain't going to be a long podcast. So y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about you next Monday. Be good. If you can't be good, be careful. All right? All the time. You know? Until next time, we ride together, slide together, laugh out loud together. It's me, Ed Lover, along with my super producer, Krista Hayes, and the good folks over at Loudspeakers Network, and the overseer himself, smiling down on us from heaven, Mr. Combat Jack, my man, A. King, the rest of the entire crew saying, come on, son. We get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.